welcome to episode 103 of the Source Podcast. It's episode 93 of the Week in Review. My name is Michael Crutcher and I don't have Jordan McDonald here because he's overseas resting up for a couple of weeks, but I do have... Drum roll, please. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Stephen Green. Greeny, welcome. Thanks for having me. Our first ever guest host. I reckon Jordan's tuning in from overseas, just grinding his teeth, <laughs> ho- hoping that I screw this up. <laughs> well, if he is tuning in, it's good because that means he can hear it because I'm charged with getting everything working properly and anything could happen here. Well, the, let, let's see what, what goes on, shall we? This could be a conversation between you and I that no one else hears because it doesn't get recorded. That's but probably for the best. Yeah, well, look, look as though it's working. So if you're hearing it, this is great. Greeny, for those who don't know the massive media footprint you have in this country. Just give us a quick summary of your media empire. Well, it's definitely an empire if you uh, if you live in the world of music. I think <laughs> outside of music, uh, probably not so much. But uh, we run a, a number of uh, music news websites, including themusic.com.au, the flagship title. Um, if, if you're a 20-year-old clubber, then you might want to <laughs> visit purplesneakers.com.au. <laughs> Uh, if you're a middle-aged, slightly paunch male metal fan, you might want to go to killyourstereo.com. Uh, or if you're into country music, then countrytown.com is the, the place to be. You've got it all covered. Yeah, well, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it, it's a it's a niche, obviously, music. Um, but as as media has tended to shrink over the over the years, I mean, everyone's probably noticed there's not a lot of music coverage in the daily newspapers anymore, yeah. and uh, in the places that it obviously used to cover it. Um, so we, we like to think that we've taken up the baton, and uh, if you want to read about you know who, who's who's died or who's yeah. you know who's released new singles or who's coming to town how you can get cheap paul mccartney tickets all that kind of stuff then uh, you know all of the hard-hitting stories well i get your daily uh, e-newsletter and look at your site regularly you do a great job what sort of trends are you seeing at the moment is there anything sort of you know in 2023 that surprised you from what you might have seen in previous years I think there's a real um, push towards Australian content, to be honest. Um, you know, we saw particularly across, uh, you know, across COVID and things like that, you know, obviously a lot of things were global because there wasn't a lot happening locally. But um, I, I think, you yeah, know, we see a real resurgence in, in people wanting to talk about local things. And also demographically, we've seen a, a, a large um a large amount of, of invigoration, if that's yeah. a word, in the yeah. uh, in the older demographics. So, you know, stories about the about Skyhooks or yeah. um, Little River Band, uh, you know, things like that that are pushing us to sort of broaden our focus a little bit. I think everyone thinks music and thinks young person. Yeah. Um, you know, we ran a Slim Dusty story yesterday, um, you know, on the anniversary of his death. Things like that that, yeah, I think uh, as younger people are, are, are you know growing their music tastes as well it's not like when we were kids where it was you know you'd, yeah. you'd never listen to your parents yeah record collection yeah, yeah. or you know cassette collection as the, <laughs> the, the case might have been for young whippersnappers like you and i but um yeah the the kids today don't care whether yeah, their right. parents listen to it or whether they just care whether it's good or whether it's not good and uh you know there's there's a real you know Discovery of you know bands like Fleetwood Mac and and, yeah. and things like that. So we we definitely are seeing a big shift in um, in you know what people like and what they don't. Essentially, is that to do a bit with social media too? Given like some of those songs on social media that have 
that have become so ingrained for young people are old songs, but they're, they're getting mm. those through their social use. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing that we see is, is you know, people, you know, possibly, um, you know, not caring as much about who artists are as well. People yep. are, uh, you know, are seeing music as a little bit more of a utility. Yep. They'll chuck on the, you know, cooking dinner playlist while they're cooking their dinner or, yeah, or things like that. And uh, I think that... that uh, yeah, back in the back in the day, you had to know who the artist was because when you went to the record store, you had to know what to ask for, yeah, right? True. So now it's a, it's I think there's there's been this period where people haven't really cared because um, they can chuck on their Spotify playlist. And I think now people are starting to want to reconnect with artists and understand what they meant when they said that lyric and and yeah. things like that. So I think we are seeing a bit of a swing back to um, you know to people wanting to to learn more about what's going on and certainly our numbers are, are are getting bigger and bigger every month and hopefully yeah may that continue for forever <laughs> of course <laughs> and it does go to show that we have some of these older artists who pack out stadiums in australia now and and do it easily absolutely and you know that, that one of the things that that's quite obvious um you know in in the industry is is people are much more likely to go out to big event-based things they'd rather save up their money go and see a a, a big festival um that or, or a taylor swift at the at, at the the footy ground those sort of events much more than going to see five or six small shows at, at yeah. small places they yeah. want those experiences that get that they're going to potentially remember for the rest of their lives otherwise they're kind of happy to sit at home and have a meal with their friends yeah well, speaking of things we'll remember for the rest of our lives, Greeny, you've brought some topics in for the week in review, doing a great job in contributing some of these topics. You've been at a conference uh, last week picking up some, uh, some new information and one of the things that's come from that conference you wanted to kick around. So what was the conference and what did you want to bring up today? Yeah, it was the Digi- Digital Publishers Alliance, just a, you know, obviously disclaimer, I, I'm a <laughs> member of said, uh, <laughs> said alliance. Um, but, uh, but yeah, some really interesting um, results from a study that they did on, on trust in media. Um, it'll be no surprise to anyone that uh, independent digital publishers are very, very trusted. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you're on the podcast. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's, that's definitely uh, what you would expect from a, from a survey of funded by digital publishers. But, <laughs> um, but some of the other stuff that was very interesting is that they... Is how untrusted media actually is, yeah. um, and uh, you know some of the some of the findings were you know, were quite stark. Um, yeah, out of out of the mainstream publishers, the Sydney Morning Herald was the was the most trusted. Yeah. Um, so these are commercial ones, obviously not not ABC commercial. Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. But um, but even then, uh, it was only thirty eight percent of people that that listed yeah. Sydney Morning Herald as as trustworthy and. As you went down the list, there's there's some pretty horrendous, um, yeah, horrendous things there. When, when you get down to things like Threads and and X yeah. and uh, and that kind of thing, there's even poor old News.com.au didn't do too well in that uh, in that either. But yeah, yeah a lot of thirteen percent. So if we look at the top ten, we've got independent digital publishers, seventy six percent trust rate for them. So. Well, of course. Shoot, Greeny. <laughs> What's happened to the other twenty-four uh, percent? That's that's a massive number because next is the Sydney Morning Herald, thirty-eight percent. 
The Age, 35%. Google, 35%, which is surprising. The Australian, 31%. Nine News, LinkedIn, Seven News, Ten News, all in the 20%. And then followed by YouTube, Sky News, News.com, and Instagram in the uh, in the low teens. So Twitter, 6%. So, yeah, there's... Like, interestingly, City Morning Herald, 38%, and the Australian, 31%. It would be stunning, I think, if you said to the 38% of City Morning Herald readers, do you trust the Australian? That would be 0%. <laughs> yes. And if you said to the Australians, 30, the 31% who you trust the Australian, do you trust the Herald? Not a big figure there either. Absolutely. I think that that's one of the things that um, that I think is really interesting with this study is, is having things like X or, uh, or, or LinkedIn or Google as news sources, uh, you know, it, it seems kind of strange to, to be looking at, at whether people trust Google for their news because yeah. obviously Google doesn't provide any news, no. they just aggregate the news. But I think that this is, um, this is a real thing that we're seeing, particularly with the complete confusion out there on the voice referendum, yep. where I, I think that particularly for younger generations, the idea of what a trusted news source is is, is a little bit foreign. They, yeah. they are so used to... They get their news from TikTok. They don't care or know even yeah. what the videos are, where they're actually coming from. They just see themselves on TikTok or on Google or yeah. on, uh, you know, wherever. And, and I think this is where, where things become a little bit more, uh, I guess, controversial or... or um, you know, debated with, yeah. with something like The Voice, people need to have that trust. You know, where do they go to get the trusted advice? Because yeah. they're, they're, this side's saying this and that side's saying this and, and yeah. well, is it, are they going to take my backyard or are they not? Or are they, yeah. And they don't actually know where to go because they're so used to going to an aggregator and thinking that that's yeah. a news source when you're just getting, you know, news on the Kardashians or things like that, yeah. it doesn't really matter whether it's true or not. But all of a sudden, everyone's got this crisis of, well, we actually need to know what the truth is. Yeah. And we all know there's no such thing as truth. There's, there's the truth of the thing that you decide yeah, to trust. Right. And that's, and that's where I think the, the interesting <laughs> thing is, if we're living in a world where no one trusts anything, how are you supposed to vote on something? Or how, how are you supposed to, to yeah. form a, a view of the society that we're living in? Oh, it's a really good point and you look at that for some of the the different big topics that go around and especially through demographics if you look at like um the voice is an interesting one um as is climate change when you break the credible polls down to ages there's such different views on different age groups and mm. i'm interested to see as time goes on as the years go on how the age groups change as they get older, and I don't know the answer to that, but they... I don't know, I think we came up and when we grew up, we had to take what was on TV. We didn't, you know, we had to go to the video store and, you know, hope there was a video there for you to watch as such. So we, we had to tie your horse up at the, <laughs> at the front of the video store, <laughs> didn't right. you? That's it, definitely, <laughs> uh, if the horse was okay. Um, there, there's... So I guess the trust back then was higher because... You didn't really have the means to question it many many ways, mm. uh, but now well, there's so many competing opinions in places you can find those opinions. So that was interesting. Darty brought it. I'm not surprised by the independent digital publishers, even though, as you say, it's a a poll that comes from them. Um, I'm not surprised by that because um, I think they are. You talk about you know 
where you sit as a digital independent publisher and I mean you, you, you your content doesn't have I think the sort of uh, really slap you in the face uh, approach that say commercial sites that are really desperate for numbers have you know like in, when you go and click on their stories sometimes it's not quite what you see in the mm. in the teaser so I'm not surprised by that but um, well I think it's interesting I mean being being niche publishers I think they are able to better hyper target the kind of people that they want and and of course it seems more trusted if you if you're news.com.au you you've really got to try and be everything to everyone whereas yeah, when we're looking at what do we put in the newsletter that day or um, you know what stories are we going to choose to run we've got a really, really serious idea of who it is that we're targeting because yeah. they're all music fans. And the same thing, whether you, you know, crikey might not be to everyone's taste, but yeah. people that love crikey love it and they know what they're going to get. And the same with all of the, you know, man of many, if you're, if you're looking yeah. for men's uh, stories or, or, you know, th- those, uh, the ability for those um, smaller and niche publish- publications to exist means that that it's more likely that someone's going to feel like this is written just for me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. So, well raised, Greeny, good topic there. First up for you, I want gold to star. Yeah, gold star, it's all right. But um, you know, we'll get Jordan's feedback from uh, the continent where he is at present. I think. <laughs> um, now, Twitter, we had to bring this up because well, it wouldn't be a weekend review without. No. X, would it? X, Twitter, that's right. Monday of this week, Elon Musk had quite an odd combination here. He had a live-streamed event on X slash Twitter with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, because as you do on, uh, on Twitter X. Now, in there, there was a conversation in which Musk and Netanyahu discussed AI and the impact that AI has on conversations... Now, around about this time, Elon Musk said that X slash Twitter has about 550 monthly users posting between 100 to 200 million posts per day. Now, when asked about a way to prevent fake accounts from, so the, uh, the fake accounts, the bots, if you like, from amplifying hateful content, Musk said that setting up a paywall, so charging to use Twitter, uh, is the only defence in his words, as a subscription would make it harder for these bots. I think the only defence against his bankers, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So this is, he says, a way to stop this. But hey, look, you know, I'm sure that might be a way, but it's also a way to try and get more revenue into Twitter. Now, he says that this is not going to be the same level of pricing as the verification, which we've discussed on this podcast many times, which is about eight bucks a month. It's going to be lower than that, he says. Now, there's a couple of things to remember. One is that what Musk says and what happens in the end aren't always the same thing. Now, he has said some things that haven't come to fruition in the end, but I guess it comes down to the fact that every social media platform is looking for ways to get more cash in. We know that because their time in the sun does have an expiry date. So Facebook began, along came Twitter, along then came Instagram, then came Snapchat, then came TikTok. So you get this initial rush, but how are you going to make money out of these platforms? Because we know that they struggle to make money. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with Twitter. Uh, I would expect any type of payment would further damage the reputation of Twitter in the sense that people would scream about it. They would not be happy. Um, but 
That's not the argument here, though. For me, follow the monies we always say here. The argument's probably how much would Twitter make out of it that it's not currently making without jeopardising its ad revenue? What's the bottom line? That's simply it. Green, I don't know what your thoughts are. You're involved in so many different social platforms through your... Uh, through your various websites, what do you see about a payment for Twitter? Well, as you said, it's kind of about currency, right? You're either you're either selling eyeballs on mass, yep. or you're getting money from those eyeballs. And ultimately, if he's made the calculation that the ad revenue is not cutting it, um, then there's there's not really much of a choice for him he's going to have yep. to find other revenue streams somewhere. And I think that it could be a double edged sword. I mean that the, the the obvious conclusion here is that um, is that there's going to be a uh, you know mass exodus of people that d- just don't want to pay you know two dollars yeah, or whatever yeah. he decides that he's going to do. But um, the flip side of that is that you know as we saw earlier that the, the trust that people have in Twitter, the love that people have, or X, or the, the love yeah, that yeah. they have for that brand is on the wane anyway. So. If, in fact, putting some form of payment on does make a better user experience, um, then there's a fine line to tread. But he, he may be able to, to prove that, um, that for those people, I mean, when, when you've got a, a, you know, 550 million people mm. to, to deal with, you don't need a huge um, slab of those people to come across just to make things yeah. better if the, if the bots are removed. Yeah, yeah. And there is that argument as well that, people value things that they pay for more. Yeah. Um, so th- That's true. there yeah. probably is that um, that kind of person that that does have that brand affinity with Twitter yeah. and you could actually enhance that by charging them $2 a month and all things being equal and other improvements happening and things working well, you could actually create a new way of doing social media um, that could work. Is Elon Musk the person to do all of those things? Uh, That's the question. That is a, that is a question. Well, he's you know, obviously been successful business-wise you know, for a long time. It reminds me when we were in the sort of early days of charging for news on websites and I was the editor of a, of a website or of a publication that had a website and it was that real sort of thought, well, currently we're getting zero revenue out of readers so therefore, is you know even ten bucks better than zero? But what about what value do you put on accessibility? You know, obviously there's a value for digital eyeballs to sell ads. That's that's clear. But also, what do you put on accessibility? I don't know. It's a question that everyone's still grappling with. Mm. Um, but in the end, if you're losing a stack of cash, you've got to try something. That's pretty pretty simple. Absolutely, and and like you said earlier, that that's you follow the money. That's where it will yeah. end up going, regardless yeah. of whether. You know, it's a better quality of conversation that it brings out or, or any of those things. All, all those are, are great. Yep. But in the end, the choice will be made based on where the money is. Speaking of following the money, the uh, last topic we're going to cover, before the magazines, Granny. Oh, I've been looking forward to those. They're early on because you're here. Uh, Hollywood slimming down, following the money. Story in the uh, Axios uh, website this week about some of the big Hollywood-based uh, businesses looking to sell off some products mainly. We're talking here about Disney and talks to sell. Uh, it owns ABC, the broadcast network in the US. Maybe Disney looking at doing that and they'd be quite 
open Disney about maybe selling off some of their assets to see what works uh, for them. Paramount has been selling assets, including real estate assets, sold its book publishing business, Simon and Schuster, for $1.62 billion in August. That's a fair bit of coin. That's, That's US. For books. $1.62 billion US. Uh, Paramount sold Simon and Schuster. So Warner Brothers Discovery uh, looking to pay down some of uh, its debt from its um, merger last year that we discussed here. So, you know, I guess what we're looking at here is a reconsideration that, you know, bigger is better for Hollywood streaming services. We've seen, you know, the some of the, the spending on streaming get lesser at the moment and it seems as though right now that there's a recalibration of what's successful in Hollywood, what they need, and maybe bigger isn't better. Maybe it's not the niche uh, type thing, but it's actually coming back down to streaming services at work, looking more at the actual, uh, I guess, platforms at work. So Disney's pretty open with the fact that streaming is something that it really wants to get uh, more involved in. Um, it says uh, movies and also parks as well, uh, uh, its things. So getting rid of its linear assets. So... I don't know, Greeny, you've, you've seen some of these, you follow this stuff pretty closely. The music industry, I guess, is something that's a bigger, um, was better for a long time in the music industry, but probably not surprising some of this stuff from the US. Yeah, I mean, it, we've seen it in with with, a, with companies like Spotify where, uh, you know, you hit a certain point and, and you can be very successful in, in one thing, music for, for Spotify, um, but the the stock market is a, is a very hungry beast yeah. and they continually want to see growth and more growth and more growth and you know for spotify it was in podcasts and and they've gone on a acquisition spree grabbing yep. you know things like gimlet media and, and those sort of things that have largely ended up being very unprofitable yeah uh and in the, in the case of gimlet they've they've actually folded it within a couple of couple of years of it being you know being a, a separate business they've just folded it into spotify's existing podcast arm because I think the um, the the businesses are, have been on a on a uh, looking at, at, at simple growth, yeah. Rather yeah. than what are the things that that align with the DNA of what they do, yeah. and you know, in, in in that case, yeah, is is the DNA of what people want from the listening of music experience the same thing as crafting a story in a podcast in, yeah. in podcast land yeah. and. Yeah, same thing for for a lot of these acquisitions that that are here. I mean, is just because you have, yeah, does a book publisher fit with a broadcaster? That's it. Yeah, or yeah, they can make the argument to the stock market at the time, but when when the rubber hits the road and you start looking at, I mean, here in in Australia, the um, yeah, the ARN. Uh, you know, acquisition of, of various things yeah. and, and, you know, outdoor advertising and all sorts of things they tried to put together and then eventually they just un unwound it and yeah. we actually were a broadcast business and, yeah, um, right. you know, ra rather than think that we're, we're an everything business, we're an audio business and yeah. that's where, um, where I think all of these are... At some point you can't keep fooling the stock market into, into thinking that unprofitable things put together are worth investing in. That's a good point because I think a whole bunch of traditional media organisations have bought non-media things over the years simply because they think they'll be profitable. They're not in their DNA, but because they're running short 
of growth in their own area. They go out and buy other things. And it's a risky move. Maybe it pays off, but, you know, in the end, that's a whole different skill set and mindset into a company and cultures can clash, there's no doubt. Well, I just hope that some sucker comes along for me before the, <laughs> before the time runs out. <laughs> now, let's move on to what's in the celebrity magazines. This is something that we do because these magazines are very good at working out what their audiences want to read. And this podcast, like our business, is all about understanding audiences. So, Greeny, let's go to you. We're going to look this week at Woman's Day and New Idea. Both have big royal things on the front, Woman's Day. What is happening? There's some stern faces there, Greeny. Yeah, I think uh, Anne and Charles are, 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 well, I don't know, Anne and Charles are doing something. Don't you dare, new feud over Andrew. Anne warns okay. Charles. Anne warns Charles, don't you dare. What, what do you reckon? The, uh, what's Anne? I mean... <laughs> Maybe, like, this could be a classic sibling fight here, you know, maybe... Andrew Who's on Andrew's side, do you think? Is Anne, is Anne on Andrew's side or is Charles on Andrew's side? I think it's Charles, judging by what's uh, presented here. I, I think it's Charles. He's trying to pitch up for his brother and his sister's having uh, no, no interest in that whatsoever. Yeah, she doesn't look very interested, does she? <laughs> no, it's, of course, these <laughs> photos are unrelated to anything. You know uh, who else doesn't look interested? Yes, who? Natalie Barr. Yes, yeah, so what's happening here? This is uh, Natalie Barr from Sunrise. What's happening? Well, she found out uh, Shervo's sad announcement, apparently. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what the sad announcement... Well, maybe it was that he was taking over from Koshy. Yes, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever it is, it's got an exclamation mark there, and that's obviously... Uh, oh, yeah, I haven't counted those. Well, we've got a few I was on meant this to page. do that. I've, see, I'm new to this. I've got to, I've got to get into yeah. the exclamation marks, but it's very important. Well, we've got... A question mark. We've got two, sorry, two exclamation marks, two on a little uh, little food segment there. Well, the, it's under five dollars. The yeah, winner, winner, chicken two. dinner. That one's very important. Um, I mean, I, it, it looks pretty large for under five dollars. I would definitely, <laughs> I'd definitely go for that that yeah. recipe. The one that really caught my eye though was uh, Judy Nunn exclusive. Why I really left home and away. I didn't wish she left. Well, she left in, in the year 2000. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so 23 years ago, Judy Nunn left home and away, and I reckon Women's Days had a, had a journo on this. They've been, they've been going the long... Because they, they, they do like the long-form investigative the stuff. I'll, so I'll crack this story one day. I, they, and finally they've done it and they've made the front page. I'm, this, well, this is why these magazines... This is persistence in yeah. journalism. Look, the new idea, more royal stuff. Um, Harry breaks down at Queen's grave uh, and, quote, I regret it all. Um, I'm not sure what he's regretting, but he's regretting something apparently and he's uh, looking quite um, uh, pensive, to use that word. Yeah, I think he's regretting that shot. Yeah, <laughs> he's regretting the photo, definitely. Yeah. Look, there's another marriage on the rocks, question mark in the block. I don't know any of those things, but I hope everything works out for them. Jordan would know that one, wouldn't he? Oh, he's all over that stuff. Yeah. He's good. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban have had a tense public reunion. I don't know what that's about. I don't know why it's tense. I was reading something in another, uh, what do we call them again? Celebrity, Celebrity Mag. Celebrity Mag yeah. uh, recently about how... 
Nicole and Keith's love was so was 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 so passionate and uh, right. and unbreakable. So something's obviously happened within the last week well, to turn this around. Yeah, so I reckon uh, it's why it's on the front page. And of course, top right, uh, everyone's favourite Ash Barty cannot beat Ash. She's one of the best around. But a little photo of her very cute little son on the front cover. The thing I'm astounded: Ash's surprise comeback. What? Why is why have we not heard yeah, of Ash comeback. Barty's surprise comeback? Well, I mean, that, look, that would be. I would have thought that. I mean, I, I I blame the mainstream media, the laziness of of Channel Seven, Channel Nine surprise to have missed this comeback. story. Well, look, this is why this is so, why there's no trust in media. So much in these magazines, you can only fit certain amounts in there. There's a lot of competition on the front. Well, cover. this is why we need new idea to to <laughs> bring us up to date with these stories. We've got it. Uh, weekend, Greeny, what happens in your weekend? You're not DJing like Jordan. No, no, no one wants that. Uh, 90s bangers at my place. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> oh, off, off to Noosa for the bit of, bit of school holiday fun. Oh, I realise, because that's where uh, media moguls go, of course, too. I uh, maybe <laughs> they, they they all go with their with their kids to get whinged at to <laughs> buy them an ice cream. I think that's what happens. Are you back next week? Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thanks, Greeny. Thanks for having me.